0: Hey guys, this is Will, and welcome back to the Nomicon podcast. We really need a catchy name for this show, but I can't really quite decide on what it should be. So, if you happen to have any ideas, be sure to let us know. You can, of course, comment on the post on the website, or you can reach out to contact at Gameonomicon.com. That said... It is deep into spooky season this year. October is upon us with all of the uh, the good color change and dreary weather that that entails in most of the Northern Hemisphere. So I'm feeling that horror time as we get uh, prepped for Halloween. And in fact, we even released a brand new game from GameNomicon. Perfect for that horror season. This is a one-page RPG, a solo game at that, titled One White Eye. Now, this is new for us to uh, foray into solo games, but of late I have been really fascinated with a lot of uh, solo games. Uh, In particular... The great deal of games based on the Wretched and Alone system, uh, kicked off by the game The Wretched. And, uh, it, that game is really a, uh, fun system with a lot of prompts that, that operates off of a deck of cards. Uh, so you need a few extra things to make things happen. So in order to pull this down to just a single page, for this entry. Uh, We actually went with a d20 and a d6 for our game, but I think it still catches some similar vibes. Uh, It is definitely, I think, uh, of a lineage to uh, Wretched and Alone. Now, One White Eye, on the other hand, is inspired by Edgar Allan Poe, in particular a couple stories, uh, The Pit and the Pendulum, and to some extent, The Telltale Heart. Uh, I was out running the other day and hit on a phrase that popped into my head while I was listening to some podcasts, and that was uh, one white eye. Hence the title of the game. Sometimes you just get uh, these phrases or something that just sticks in your head, and you keep going round and round, thinking, "Oh, how am I going to do something interesting with this?" And knowing the time of year, uh, and you know, thinking of a, of a white, pale, milky, blind eye, uh, that sort of thing—it's already kind of a spooky uh, appearance to most folks. So I started turning over how to how to make that happen. Now, in this case, uh, I eventually came on to the Edgar Allan Poe uh, story, The Telltale Heart, which also fixates on one particular body part, right? And uh, in order to, to really examine that, I, I was thinking, you know, that the heart really represents... Um, Life in most uh, interpretations, not necessarily telltale heart, but I- in general, right the appearance of a heart. Uh, so I thought, well, what what does an eye really represent? How how can I get into that? What what does an eye do? Of course, the the beating of the heart in the telltale heart is uh, so important to what's going on, or at least perceived beating. So uh, I thought, eyes then. Uh, they see, they watch. So we led to the eye watching the player. And then, of course, the question becomes, uh, why are you fixated on this eye? Or or how are you, as a player, limited uh, to the perception of this eye rather than just wandering off to the local pub, right? Right. So that is how I wound up heading down the direction of the pit and the pendulum and being imprisoned. So One White Eye then became a game, uh, the story of your protagonist and why they have been imprisoned and why this one white eye watches them day after day, or at least moment after moment. Sometimes in the dark, it's rather difficult to tell what may or may not be a day. Now, that said, I did also post a playthrough of the game recently uh, that I did, so I'd like to go ahead and uh, present that to you here. Some folks may enjoy listening to it as a podcast episode. So here's the intro text, and we'll go from there. The eye watches you, day after day, moment by moment. You feel it staring and waiting. You feel the pressure on your skin, your bones, your soul. Can it truly see? You do not know. I have been imprisoned. In order to survive, I must keep my wits about me as I have done these many years before. Though the light is dim, I have done my best to examine my surroundings. The cell is narrow, of rough-cut stone, which is cool, yet dry to the touch. All what I would expect from the dungeons beneath the palace. I find two discoveries most curious, however. The first of which is that the floor slants somewhat down running toward the back wall of the cell. Well, I say wall, but that is only an assumption on my part. For, in my explorations, I discovered that the floor crumbles away into dust and darkness. There is a pit there, the depths of which I do not know and cannot see. The second of my curious discoveries is the journal on which I now write. The journal and a stub of pencil were hidden in a crack near the pit. Obscured by the darkness, I may never have found it if my foot had not pressed upon it in my search. By the dim and wavering light that filters through the cracks in the door, I am able now to write and pass the time. I have also been able to begin studying the entries already in the journal. They are, frankly, the ravings of a madman, and I can scarce trace a coherent thought from the latter entries. Nonetheless, they are quite evocative, and descriptions of dragons and eyes and waiting blubbery things in the deep, which I shudder to read. Still, I have nothing else to occupy me, so I will add to the entries of this journal. Today I was joined for a time by my own watcher. I suspect that it was my jailer, but I was not able to elicit a response to my questions. The pale, milky white eye paused for a time, and appeared to stare at me through a viewport in the ponderous door. I could see nothing else of the face that bore such a remarkable eye, but I found myself transfixed by its presence, and my mind wandered as I plumbed its milky depths. I know not how long it stayed, nor how long I stared, but while it was here, I found myself pondering the plots I had put into motion— and the endpoints of those complicated schemes which only I could see. The crown would fall, I was certain of it, and mine would be the hand that brought it about. This has been a difficult day. My heart longs for my sweet ambrosia. My body aches for her embrace. We parted on such delightful terms, my body soaked in the indulgence of her presence, my heart lost to the beat of her own, (laughs) and my mind drunk with the possibilities brought on by Lord Durand's demise. I told her that I would return. The eye watches and mocks me. I found myself examining the other contents of this journal once again. What I had taken for the ravings of a madman and latter entries did not begin as such. While I am unsurprised that a weaker mind than my own succumbed to the wretchedness of their imprisonment, I must admit that their descent has made for a fascinating read. As well, they appear to have been something of an artist, and I'm captivated by small sketches I find scattered here and there in the pages. In particular, I find myself turning again and again to one sketch which fills an entire page. It is a grossly detailed depiction of the eye, in all its pale, veined glory. The malevolence I feel when looking upon it is palpable. The eye returned today. When it returned to its vantage point, I was ready, and sprung the plan I had been calculating now for some time. Surely there is something it wants, something I can provide. When the crown falls, I can offer places of power and prestige, and so I do. The eye is dismissive. I' have not yet found the right track. They have found out my schemes somehow some one they've talked all my careful planning, all my secret plotting gone to waste. I would only I, I can only be imprisoned here if they know. But who? And how? The crown knows my revolution because there is a chink in my artfully crafted armor. Can I still repair it? I made the decision today to explore my cell once again in order to make the best measurements that I can and notate them here. Perhaps I will also uncover a detail that may aid in my escape or release. It is a bare three paces across the narrowest portion fronted by the massive door, but, as I noted before, surprisingly long for the narrow space, measuring ten paces back before I reach the beginnings of the unsettling and crumbling pit and dare walk no further. While there at the edge, peering into the depths and desperately trying to pierce the veil of inky blackness to glimpse any edges of hint or bottom, the eye returned. I could feel the weight of its gaze settle on my back, like a pressure between the blades of my shoulders. I glanced behind to confirm my suspicions and beheld that blanched organ once again at its watchpost. I faced the pit again, determined to turn my back to it and block out the ghastly features. As I turned my focus back to the black, it seemed to me that the darkness of the pit began to churn and writhe with long shadowy tendrils slowly and cautiously exploring up toward me. How I was able to discern this motion, I, I know not, but as I watched, I could have sworn I heard a sound like a paper-thin voice, but within my own head, and emanating from that terrible eye. Give in, it said. I whirled back toward the door, only to find that the eye had passed. I retreated far from the pit and pressed myself tightly to the stone until exhaustion took me. Unable to steel myself to face the pit again today, I have restrained myself to the best patch of wavering light that I am able to find near the heavy wooden door and have begun once more to pour over the entries of the cell's previous occupant taken these for the ravings of one who has lost all touch with reality, but now I believe that I was mistaken. After what I saw moving in the pit, another entry has grasped my attention. The prior chronicler had also had encounters with something that resides in the pit. They too saw the undulations of ink on shadow as tendrils rose and fell within the depths. They too heard the dry, paper-thin rustle of a voice in their mind urging them to fling themselves into the abyss. What chilled my veins, however, was an entry describing a phenomenon I have yet to encounter. The chronicler describes the slow and methodical manner in which those tendrils began to snake slowly out of the pit, and tentatively weave themselves across the room, as if they the ones exploring. Ah, the susurrus of whispered voices fills the back of my head once again, and I glance up to see the eye has returned. It waits and watches. I cannot quite make out what the voice is saying this time, but I can feel the cruel implication of the bearer weigh down upon me. But there is something else with it this time. A hope. Promise. The rebellion is not over. The crown may still fall. Great power could be mine. All I must do is step over that edge.